I would say that the advantages and the disadvantages of working remote, you know, oftentimes they are flip sides of the same coin. You are listening to Running Remote, a podcast about building and scaling effective distributed teams. Join us as we dive inside the minds and processes of CEOs, managers, nomads, and dynamic entrepreneurs who are building impactful businesses and organizations through this new and innovative movement. They've thrown out the traditional rules and business textbooks and are actively finding new ways of organizing their teams, driving productivity, and scaling their growth. I'm your host, Stephanie Burns. Today's episode is brought to you by Running Remote, the world's largest remote work conference held in beautiful Bali, Indonesia. Check out the speaker lineup at runningremote.com and get 20% off your conference ticket for being a Running Remote podcast listener. Simply use coupon code IRUNREMOTELY and your 20% discount is automatically applied. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the Running Remote Podcast. This is your host, Stephanie Burns. Today, I have with me Bill Butler, founder of Butler Inc., a design firm. And he's based out of Washington, D.C., but his remote team is all over. And at the moment, he is in Oregon, uh, day one of his team summit. And so um, I can't wait to dive into that. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? Oh, I'm very well. I, I got in late last night and had a burger and a beer and uh, went to sleep and only got about like five and a half hours sleep. But moving from the East Coast time zone to a West Coast time zone by 7 a.m., my body was like, nope, it's up in time to go. <laughs> so I've, uh, I've had breakfast and I'm ready to, yeah, begin. Our, our summit is this week and I'm the first in town, but everybody else gets in over the next few hours. That's so exciting to talk about. I talk a lot about remote work with other business owners and it sounds like at least getting together once a year if you know not more is really great for team morale so i can't wait to dive into that but before we start i'd like to learn a little bit more about you so can you give us a little bit of background Sure thing. Well, the obvious thing is that I'm the founder and president of Butler Inc. And I've been doing this for about eight years now. Originally, I started this company as a one-person boutique, uh, very narrow PR. I offered one very narrow PR service after I had left a social media and digital marketing, digital PR company. Before that, I had worked in political journalism in Washington, D.C. and been there now for, well, let's just say more than 15 years. Having come out of Oregon. I, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and I ran a magazine in college. So that got me into journalism. And then I moved out to DC. So I'm going backward in time. Now I'm going forward in time again. <laughs> and the interest in journalism led me to an interest in you know journalism happening online. So the early blogosphere of the 2000s, I wrote a column about that, one of the first columns about political blogging back in 2004 or so. And that got me an invitation to go join a firm that was social media before it was social media. I remember there was a debate in the office about calling it, uh, well, do we call it social media or do we call it new media? And at the time, it wasn't clear to us which phrase was going to win out. And so, you know, my my story is moving from journalism into consulting, into developing a a service and then building out a team based around that. So today, Butler Inc. is a team of we're almost 20 people. We've been in business in this current form with my executive leadership team for about five years. 
And we are now a full service, but you know, you could say boutique digital marketing company with services including visual design and social media, content marketing. We do a lot of really great like visual presentation is one of our strong suits. And then our most unique service, the one that I got started in the first place, is helping companies navigate Wikipedia to, you know, improve entries about themselves but also following Wikipedia's rules while doing so. So everybody on my team is focused on one of those projects or account management, client service, trying to make sure that everybody who works with us has the smoothest experience possible. And I can't wait to see all those people in just a couple hours. Oh yeah, that it will be so fun. I was looking on your website and you have a very impressive portfolio of clients. Clients like Google and Magento, Lionsgate, mm-hmm. Nat Geo, Virgin, Amazon. So. You've been working with some of the biggest companies on the planet doing visual design, and you've done it all with a remote team. That's correct. That's amazing. There's a couple of people who might be in, even though some of these are Silicon Valley companies, uh, we just had a couple of employees move to the Bay Area within the last month or so. But they're not even necessarily the people who will be working on those projects. You know, we're fortunate to have built this company out of a couple of different networks. You know, when I when I first started to grow this company five plus years ago, you know, initially I wanted to work with somebody who was in a, a different state at the time. And then when we brought in the next executive to complete our executive trio, she was in another state as well. And, you know, different people brought in different networks. So we've been certainly fortunate in terms of being well connected. The The fact that we don't have to be in one physical place does mean that we can develop relationships so long as the work is good and so long as the you know the bedside manner uh, is is good as well we do have to work extra hard sometimes to develop relationships when we might never get to see these people in person maybe once maybe not at all so it sounds like you started out being remote from the very beginning absolutely we were we were never anything but like i said we we drew upon a couple of different networks mm-hmm. uh i brought some some people from my college orbit or my home state orbit early on i think i mentioned this other my, my fellow executive uh, jenny she uh, had worked at another agency before and had been able to you know retain some relationships from that you know as we grew and we started adding people, you know, there were other people that we'd wanted to hire that were in other places. I had known them back in Oregon, and then they had moved somewhere else. Or they might have always been, you know, somebody who worked remotely. Most everybody in our team is in their, you know, 20s and 30s. There's a couple folks in their early 40s. But we, for the most part, have had, no one's had the traditional stay at one job that you work in your hometown all your life. Mm-hmm. Most of us have had multiple jobs, moved different cities. Having had our entire professional lives occur during the, let's say, let's call it the you know Web 2.0 fairly mature internet, we've been able to keep contact with all these people. And you know, I will get emails from somebody that I worked with five years ago, maybe ten years ago, and they'll say, "Hey, you know, I see you're doing this now, and my new company happens to be looking for this sort of help. Would you like to have a catch-up call and let's see if there's a way to work together?" And so we'll get business that way too. Very nice. So what are some of the challenges that you've had with with having a remote team? Oh, boy. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, there is, I would say that the advantages and the disadvantages of working remote, you know, oftentimes they are flip sides of the same coin. Certainly, you know, the freedom to be anywhere is, is something that we can offer our team that many companies are not really in a position to offer. But it also means 
that it, we don't have the same convenience of knocking on someone's office door for a quick chat or, you know, even just being able to sit down at the same table, take laptops out and mm. spread papers in front of us and work through an issue in person. I mean, we do make extensive use of Google Hangouts and, you know, Google Meet in order to have both group conversations and one-on-one -on -one conversations. And, you know, so we certainly, we love the screen sharing capabilities, but I'm not going to tell you that there's any substitute for, you know, having the same level of immersive collaboration you can get from being in person. So obviously we try to mitigate that through, you know, yes, the this team summit. Every year we fly everybody in together. Oregon has been the, the choice the last couple of years because we do actually have, I don't know if it's the preponderance of the team, but the, the, the one place where we have the most people is Portland, Oregon. So we've done it in Portland for a few years. We were in Bend, Oregon this week, just looking for a slightly different uh, change of scenery. Uh, and, you know, sometimes we do have smaller teams meet as well. You know, mm -hmm. we have our social media team. We have our account management team. We have our Wikipedia team and we have visual design. These different teams, we like to kind of fly people people to hub cities, you know, we have one person in Denver uh, and we have somebody in the, we'll call it greater Chicago area, but if she hears me describe Madison, Wisconsin as that, she'd be unhappy. We like have places that we can fly people to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, I think we did that a lot early on when we were first really coming together. We haven't done it as much in the last year. I feel like we haven't needed to as much. I do think that the team, like I, I'm really like surprised, grateful. We have developed like a strong team identity, despite the fact that we don't see each other all too often. So yeah, I mean, there's there's more than that, but I'll, I'll give you that for the moment. So what are some of the challenges that you faced, especially in the beginning, bringing mm -hmm. on more people and adding to your remote team? Well, certainly finding people is never, never too easy. Early on, I lucked out, even though I was making the mistake that many entrepreneurs make, and that's hiring your friends. One of my one of my first employees was my sister. She happened to be very good, um, and so she eventually left to go raise her daughters. But in the early going, I was fortunate that you know she she was a, a really important early team member. But not every hire worked out to be certain, and so you know when we started casting our net wider. Look, we eventually went to Craigslist to start looking for, for people. And I'm actually not myself personally invested day to day, or how should I put it? I'm not, I'm not really involved in hiring, at least um, until the very later stages. Mm -hmm. You know, we have the, the team, you know, we have a strong sense of what role we are looking to fill. And so we will draw up a job description that will go certainly on, on Craigslist, uh, LinkedIn as well. And, you know, we are usually looking to target certain locations. So when we were growing in the first place, the first couple of years of this, we really did just start hiring people that we knew we wanted to work with. Well, this person's in Vermont, this person's in Denver, this person's in Wisconsin. Um, let's just start hiring them where they are. Certainly at a certain point, the overhead does start to add up. An advantage, of course, of working remote is that we don't have to pay for office space for the most part. Mm -hmm. We've done a couple of co-working spaces here and there, but um, never full office. Then again, though, you actually have to pay taxes in all these states where you have employees. And I'll tell you, it is not the actual monetary cost of these taxes that are the pain, but it's, it's the logistics of, you know, making sure that you file all the right paperwork and that it goes to the right places. And, you know, we, we certainly got caught out a couple of years ago with, um, I'll say, an accountant who didn't really do the best job on informing us what we needed to do. So we had to dig out of a little bit of a hole with some taxes that, you know what, to this day, I can't even tell you exactly what it was. It was state franchise tax. No, that's what it was. Mm -hmm. And I had never heard of such a thing. I didn't know we needed to pay it. So hiring people in different places, it does help to have a sense of where you really want people to be. So we're, we're kind of hiring 
growing more strategically in certain locations. That is one reason why we've ended up with so many people in Portland. It's kind of a happy accident that it is my hometown, although I have not lived there for approaching, I said, more than 15 years. We'll leave it there. And um, I will say Portland is a great place to find young, smart, talented, ambitious people who, you know, they. Uh, I, I love Portland and it's a beautiful place to visit and, and also to live. But it really does not have a, a, that much of an economy unto itself. Like if food carts are not an economy. Just not that many people can work at Nike, Intel or White and Kennedy. Right. Um, it's such a it's such a draw for people from around the country because of the lifestyle, but then there's only limited jobs. So yeah. working remote is something that I think a lot of people probably I haven't seen any stats on this, but I would imagine that proportionate to the size of the population, there are more remote workers in Portland and most other cities. I'd have to think. First of all, thank you for being very transparent about the tax situation because sure. you know this is. The purpose of this podcast is to bring up the things that could be missed when mm -hmm. you're bringing on a remote team. So I appreciate you bringing that up so that our listeners can be aware that, hey, this could be a potential pitfall because I haven't had anybody say that on the podcast before. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, I, mean, I have no um, regrets about it. We were, all, we were always doing our best and right. we were caught out. It's impossible to know everything when you go right. into starting a business. And so it was a learning along the way and I don't regret it. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I appreciate, I appreciate you bringing that up. So when you have, now that you have these people all over the place, what are some of the tools mm -hmm. that you rely on in order to keep it running? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, you know, I, probably like a lot of other companies that work remote, you know, we are a Google suite company. Mm -hmm. So that's Gmail, Google drive. I already mentioned hangouts and meet. So it's re replaced Skype for most things for us in the last year or so. And then on top of that, we, we again, we use Dropbox, and I bet that's a thing that a lot of non-remote companies use as well. But probably the most significant software in terms of us being in different locations, you know, teamwork is the, is, is well, we don't use Basecamp. We've used it in the past, but teamwork is our solution for project management in the same way. That's how we share large files with clients, especially on the for our visual design project. It also has some task management features uh, that we find useful. We use, uh, relatively recently, we've started using Trello okay. uh, to keep like a visual snapshot of some complex projects. Even though we are not primarily focused on software development, you know, we certainly do content development and it is it can be very helpful to know where everything stands, if something is late, where we are in a process. Mm -hmm. And then perhaps the least surprising thing I'm going to say here is that Slack has been an absolute godsend for us. From the moment when I first heard about it and signed up for it a few years ago, I had no idea how important it was going to be to the development of our community culture. Yeah, um, it really is. It really is our water cooler for sharing links from the web for conversation. You know, serious things like the political situation in the U.S. today, and fun things like what shows we're watching. And it's it has a dedicated space on my you know second computer monitor just to my left and you know every day i, I work until i see a little like name go bold that means there's a something there for me to look at and you know we probably don't use it as extensively as other companies might just in the sense that we don't have that many plugins attached to it like mm -hmm. we plugged in google drive to it but we don't necessarily use it for task management it's just it's our way to feel like we're all in one place virtually when we're not in one place physically so let's talk a little bit about your summit 
because that kind of piggybacks off of, of what you just said. You're kind of creating an online area for everybody to get and to socialize, kind of. So now you're having this summit this week. Tell me about that. What's involved and why do you do it? Well, let's see. It, the, it officially runs Tuesday to Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, this being Monday, we're talking and we'll be having our annual executive team meeting here in a couple of hours where myself and my two fellow uh, or my, my two vice presidents, we will come together and talk about all kinds of issues that we, I guess, need to talk about in terms of the direction of the company. We also have a weekly meeting where we talk through various issues. We look at, you know, incoming invoices and new business and finance stuff. And then we switch to talk about staffing needs and marketing projects for ourselves. Like I expect we'll do some of that here today, but also I've been, you know, keeping a list of some of the bigger picture questions that just could be better to have those conversations in person. And so, you know, then tomorrow when everybody is here, the, the team summit is kind of split between just fun and, you know, some, you know, meetings that are not like super, super, you know, serious. I don't want to undercut it, but, you know, it's not going to be homework. There's a lot of value in just putting everybody in the same room, being able to kind of relate to each other and also hear from each other about, you know, what kind of work they're doing. Because we do have teams working on such different projects, you know, uh, first of all, they would people would never cross paths were it not for Slack or for these in-person meetings. We do a skill share where, you know, someone from the visual design team will talk about kind of what goes into one of their client projects and somebody from the wiki team will be like, wow, I did not know we did that. And then the vice versa, the wiki team will get up and talk about a project and someone from the social media team will go like, that's fascinating. I had no idea we were doing that thing. We do our, you know, we do our team photos. So, you know, we have our photos for everybody on the team on the website. Those will get updated once we take those tomorrow. I always deliver a presentation, uh, which I still need to finish. It's called <laughs> The State of Butler Inc. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a, it's a keynote presentation where I kind of talk through, you know, the year. We're, we're, we're transparent with our revenue and costs for the team. So we want them to understand where we're at. And it's been good the last couple of years, certainly. So that, that makes it easy. But we did have a couple of years ago where we had a slight down year. But I felt, you know, that we had the, the trust of the team to talk that through. And my other executive team members, you know, take different parts of that presentation as well. And it's opened up for conversation. And then we're, we're here in Bend, Oregon, which is in central Oregon. It's kind of resorty. But we're here in winter. We'd probably be skiing. Mm-hmm. But instead, a couple of team members have chosen to do a Segway tour. Some oh. other folks are doing paddle boarding. And there's also one of those, um, you know, pedal tavern cycle pub tours. I think looking at the list, it looks like most people chose that one. <laughs> but uh, or Oregon has some very good beers. If you're not yes, aware. they do. No, so I've been. We, yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, we intend to take full advantage. So that's it. You know, it's 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 largely social. It, it really is meant to be a retreat, but we also make sure to take some time to you know make it useful for the team to learn more about each other and, and learn more about how we're doing as a company. Do you feel that getting together in person like that creates either stronger bonds or better work? It's one of those things where it, it's it's in the intangibles. I don't I can't point to a chart that says, ah, well, we had you know better year this year than last year yeah. just because we all got together. I mean, granted, we got together last year and the year before that as well. One thing that I am always struck by is that our company has relatively little, very little turnover. Uh, in fact, everybody who was working at the company at the, this time last year is also still at the company this year. 
plus we've added a few new heads. So, you know, when we had really one person leave on very good terms just before the summit last year, I do think that the the sense of team that we foster, it is very important to that. So being able to meet in person. But let me also add, simply the, the fact of being remote, I do think contributes to this as well. Because we have had, uh, so one of our team members who is a, you know, young woman in her, say, mid to, I don't know, maybe late, maybe late 30s by now. I don't want to, or I mean maybe late 20s. <laughs> she, <laughs> because I, I've watched this, I won't name her. She has moved, probably moved moved cities four times in the last uh, three years. Oh, wow. And if we were a regular type company, it would be like, so long, nice working with you. We will hope to meet up with you when we're visiting town one day. But as she has moved around, we've been able, it has been no trouble. We're like, yep, no problem. You know, we'll just switch from this state to that state. There's a little bit of paperwork to be done. So yeah, being remote has allowed us to keep people as well. And I just think we do care a lot about, you know, we care a lot about the team. Yeah, it, it might be easy to pay lip service to that. But, you know, in our personalities, both myself and my executive team members, we are, first of all, we always talk about team. We rarely talk about employees. I kind of do that only when I need to be, you know, clarify, I suppose. We certainly want to grow, make money, and be successful and profitable, which we're definitely profitable, but we also are not going to do that at the expense of our quality of life. Mm. So there was a point in the past where we had to decide, are we going to be are we going to be like a, a lifestyle business or a growth business? Granted, we have grown consistently, but we also are not trying to run everybody ragged. And I know in this industry, that is in, in marketing, especially marketing public relations, there's a tendency to overwork junior staff. That was my experience working at a, a marketing firm previously. You know, I don't have a nervous breakdown, but there was one evening I was like on the verge of tears at 9.30 p.m. working on a 100-page paper where I didn't have any support from my um, superiors on it. I knew that if I was going to start my own company, I wanted to run one that was going to put the team first. And I, I would like to think that that has been reflected in the longevity of the tenure of my t- of my team members and the what I what I hope are the good feelings that they have about working here because I certainly have a good feeling about working with them. Yeah. I think we've all had one of those experiences and hopefully mm-hmm. we all have, right? Where we've we've been on the verge of <laughs> a panic attack uh-huh. that we can't get our work done because when we turn out to be leaders, then we know the kind of mm-hmm. leader we want to be. So well I have, I have definitely been in those positions and I they weren't fun at the time but looking back now I am grateful for them so that I I would never turn around and and uh, do that to my team so I appreciate you bringing that up so if you had one piece of advice to mm-hmm. give somebody who was starting a company or transitioning their current team into a remote team what would you give them right. Interesting. Well, you know, I certainly cannot speak to transitioning to become a remote team, considering that that's not how we grew. You know, we, again, we were never anything but the remote. But my advice could possibly, I do, yeah, the one piece of advice that I have could, could possibly relate to that as well. And this is going to call back to what I'd said before about our accountant and not realizing that we owed these state franchise taxes a few years back. Make sure that you have great business support. When you are, you know, looking for vendors to help you with logistics, certainly if you yourself are not the the spreadsheet kind of person, which I am not, you know, you need uh, one of your one of your key executive team members should be that kind of person. 
the, the person who is our de facto CFO. Fortunately, she is that kind of person. But even that is not enough. You still need, you know, a bookkeeper and accountant and uh, an insurance rep and you need legal assistance. And so, look, you know, we had some when we came to the lawyers, like we have, we have one a fellow who I would, would now count as a friend. But in the early days, we kind of were partly working with him and partly with another lawyer. And the other lawyer was just not our speed. And we took us kind of a little while to realize, wait a minute, we can move from one guy and just work with this other fellow who, you know, we've been very happy working with. You know, we've had to change our benefits and health brokerage as well in the last couple of years. It has taken us time. Here's where I can't tell you, here is the here are the three questions to ask of any legal or accounting or brokerage help just to, you know, really like keep an eye on it because we, we had a couple of really bad experiences with some accountants where we probably were fortunate to escape with as little trouble as we did out of it. But, you know, it cost us some money and it certainly cost us a heck of a lot of time. So, you know, your your business vendors should be, I guess your business support vendors should be reliable. They should be accessible. They should be knowledgeable. You know, they really better be personable because you want to have, you want to like working with them. <laughs> um, and I would just say, make those priorities and don't settle for anything less. Don't be afraid to make a move if you needed to. Absolutely. You know, loyalty is great, but loyalty is a virtue that, you know, must be kept in balance with other virtues. So if somebody is not honest or if somebody is not competent or if somebody is not doing the job you need, you're not doing yourself or them any favor by maintaining a sense of loyalty. They're like, ah, they were with me in the beginning. Well, you know, companies change, they grow, their needs change. And so ours have over time. And this is a bit of a challenge where I, you know, in business, it does not necessarily pay to be sentimental. And granted, there is some sentimentality to the fact that I, you know, want to run a company that people feel good at and will make the choice to have a, a happy, healthy team rather than a, you know, one that ekes out like a few more percentage points in profit over the course of a year, but has people leaving. And, you know, so the same thing with with hiring a you know business vendor, you want to have people that you like working with. And frankly, the people that we that we worked with that we you know changed over from, I think we, we liked them fine. But when it came down to getting the work done, we, we didn't like them as much once we realized that, not, that it was not working out and that we needed to make a change. And so it was certainly better off for us to do so. I don't think we waited too long for any of it, but if I had it to do over again, I would have, you know, picked up and moved stakes maybe three, six months earlier than I had in a few cases. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we, we've all felt that. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Not a, not a unique experience. Um, right. It's always difficult to, you know, kind of keep your wits about you and determine when is the time to make a big move. And, you know, that's always been a challenge that I've faced and every entrepreneur does. And boy, if there was a one, two, three, you know, one simple trick to doing it, we would all be much more wildly successful than we are. But instead, we have to operate in the real world and mistakes are a part of life. Right. Well, Bill, I really enjoyed our conversation today and I appreciate you being so open and transparent with with us. It really makes a difference in, you know, just our journey through remote work and and how we navigate running remote teams. So I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. That's it for this episode of Running Remote. Thanks for joining us as we dive into the minds and processes of CEOs, managers, nomads, and dynamic entrepreneurs 
who are building impactful businesses and organizations through this new and innovative movement. We're a very small team behind this podcast, so if you liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review, and share this episode with a friend. And definitely check us out at runningremote.com. Until next time.